You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to another episode of the Hoops Fix podcast with me, your host, Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. And we're back. Summer has been mad, um, but I am very happy to be back recording these podcasts. They bring a little bit of joy to my life and hopefully um, a bit of entertainment for yours as well. Uh, This week, I've got a very special guest. It is none other than Tosan Iwoma. Uh, he is the unanimous Ivy League Player of the Year after a breakout season last year with Princeton, uh, originally from Newcastle. His career tra- trajectory has been pretty nuts, to be honest. Um, you know, starting playing a game at only 14 years old and then what, uh, five, six years later, um, you know, winning the Ivy League title uh, with his with his team, um, being the Ivy League Player of the Year, um, being in the NCAA tournament. And now... Um, expecting another big year uh, at Princeton. You know, there are whispers of the NBA. Um, there are NBA scouts in attendance uh, at his games. There are a few articles online that are talking about him as a potential NBA prospect. Uh, he says it himself that um, his goal is to play in the NBA. So, yeah, this is a big time for British basketball. Um, and I am super honored to have him on the show. And the other reason is um, he is actually in the UK, in London next week. Uh, the London Basketball Classic uh, is happening. Uh, shout out to Mark Mulholland and Gareth Maguire bringing over um, four NCAA Division One teams, uh, Princeton, Manhattan, and Northeastern and Army to compete over two days. Uh, Thursday, the 24th? of November and Saturday the 26th of November um, at the Copper Box uh, we will have some top tier college basketball action so do check it out go and uh, get some tickets uh, they are available uh, well, you've got to hoopsfix.com it's all the banner space at the moment um, but also the tickets are available on Ticketmaster uh, I will be there and I will see you there and hopefully you will come and check out Tosan and his side as well as the other three teams uh, taking place before we get into this week's show as always I've got to shout out our Patreon account uh, if you like what we do if you believe in what we do if you support what we do um, please check out patreon.com forward slash hoopsfix, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, forward slash H-O-O-P-S-F-I-X. There you can sign up to give us a monthly or annual contribution or of as much or as little as you would like. It goes a long way into helping fund the work that we're trying to do. Uh, you know, a couple of quid a month, I'm sure you won't even notice leaving your account, but it does make a big difference. Um, if everyone that visited our website, that listened to our podcast, uh, did that, we would be in a much stronger financial position. So please go and check it out and please consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash hoopsfix. As always, I would love to hear your feedback. Uh, let me know what you think. Um, you can reach out to me on every single social media platform at hoopsfix. If you're watching on YouTube, you can leave a comment below. Um, if you're listening, uh, if you want some one-on-one interaction, you can email me on sam at hoopsfix.com. I make a point of replying to every single one so you will not be ignored. Anyway, uh, that is enough from me. Here is this week's show with me and Tosan Iwoma. Tosan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. So uh, we are here because um, big event next week, London Basketball Classic is happening at the Copper Box, and you are obviously returning to home soil. Um, you know, how are you feeling about coming back to the UK and, and playing, um, well, in your home country? 
yeah, super excited, obviously. Um, just looking forward to it, you know, opportunity to um, obviously keep getting better with my team, but, you know, obviously um, being able to play in front of close fans, uh, close family and friends who haven't had the opportunity to see me uh, since I've made the move over to the States. So really looking forward to it and, and seeing everyone. Are you expecting to have a lot of people travel down from Newcastle um, to London for the game? Yeah, there'll, there'll be a good amount of um, supporters. And like I said, close family and friends. So just uh, really looking forward to seeing them. Obviously, you open up um, 7.30pm on Thursday night against Army. You know, what do you know about them and kind of what are you expecting um, going into the game? And I guess also going into the tournament, you know, how are you feeling about your guys' chances? Yeah, feeling confident, of course, in our, in our abilities. And um, we, uh, we, yeah, like you said, we play Army first and we know they're a tough team. And um, we just played uh, Navy, who are, who are also in their league. So another tough team and, and a tough game we had against them. Um, so, you know, as we, as we get closer, obviously the, the scout and everything will become more in-depth. But we know that it will be a tough game, um, as will the next game, kind of regardless of what happens. You know, you obviously know British basketball. You know, you're you're from here. You know the game here. Um, you know how important do you think showcases like this are for the British game for you know young players, um, young fans to see this, to see this level of basketball, to see you know college basketball teams, you know, in their backyard essentially. Yeah, I think it's massive. I mean, uh, it's a great opportunity for for young guys who are you know thinking about making the move and and you know, firstly, just to for them to be able to see that's possible. And secondly, for them to kind of see the level um, that that we're playing at, and you know, kind of kind of what it takes and uh, to get there, and all that different type of stuff. Um, and I, I know other teams have, have come across. You guys had, you know, Cam Hildreth was over um, kind of preseason as well as um, uh, the Bobcats. So you know, um, I think it's just it's a great thing that that all the, all of us are able to come back over and and you know um, put on this show in front of in front of home fans. Are your teammates looking at you to kind of um, show them some, show them around, sort of show them some some traditional British food, some some London sites? Like, have you got stuff planned, sort of off the court as well? Yeah, I'm sure all of that stuff will, will go ahead. Um, we we do get there a little bit um, a little bit early, like a, a few days before our first game. So I'm sure we'll we'll go through London and, and see all of those things. So when are you leaving the US? Like, when do you get here? Yeah, we leave uh, Monday. I think we, uh, yeah, Monday evening. So we probably get there Tuesday morning. Um, so we'll have a couple of days uh, to sell them for the game. Okay, awesome. Well, look forward to seeing you here when you get here, um, yeah, and look forward to seeing the games. I think, uh, yeah, people are going to be in for a a good show uh, for sure. Um, and obviously, whilst whilst we have you here, you know, I really want to take this opportunity to kind of tell your story. Obviously, it's been quite the rise. You know, when you look at your trajectory um, to kind of come out of nowhere. And then, you know, now you're unanimous Ivy League player of the year and doing great things in the US. Um, but kind of where did it start for you? Like, how did you actually first end up getting into basketball? Yeah, um, I got into it uh, really just through like, I just finished playing uh, football. Like I, I kind of step, took a step back um, from football, um, stopped enjoying it the way I used to. So I guess kind of just like pretty much trying new sports and and my dad was a big influence he used to play basketball um both like back in in Nigeria and then a little bit when he when he came over so he's kind of he was a big influence with that and we kind of always had a a hoop in the in the back garden um although like 
didn't get as much use as the football goal when I was younger, but kind of during that transition, obviously got more and more use. And uh, that's kind of how it, that's kind of how it started, just kind of messing around with friends and then for a little bit until I, I started, uh, you know, playing competitively in, in Newcastle. What what did you like about it? And what made you end up sort of, because you were a pretty decent football player as well, right? What made you end up sort of giving up football, I guess, and taking on basketball a bit more seriously? Yeah, I think for me, uh, it's just, especially at the age I was at, it was just all about enjoyment. And I, I just lost a little bit of that. Um, and I think uh, I, it was, I was just young and, and there was a lot of pressure and, uh, on me at the time and on players in a similar situation. Um, so just kind of fell out of love a little bit with, with the game. And for me, if, if, if that happens, it's kind of an, it's an easy solution. Just, you know, take a step back. Um, and, you know, my parents were, were very supportive of that. There was never any pressure to, to keep going or anything. So that was kind of went, that what went into that decision. And then basketball just fell in love with it pretty quickly. Um, was, you know, found myself playing all the time and, um, it was just a great thing to, to do with friends. I'm obviously super competitive. So that was kind of another outlet for, for that as well. And yeah, I just fell in love with the game pretty quickly. So how did you end up getting involved uh, with the Newcastle Eagles junior program? So um, the first cl club team I played for in, in CVL was um, Griffins, Newcastle East Griffins. And they kind of have a, a kind of a pathway to, uh, or they work very closely with the, the Newcastle Eagles. Um, so just kind of, you know, playing that. I, I think I only played half a season maybe um, in CVL, um, but there's, a, there's some crossover with coaches and, and things like that. So they were kind of able to to get eyes on me and, and there was a, there was definitely a pathway through that. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to be able to make that team again kind of early on and, and kind of progress through the ranks. At what point did you have a growth spurt? Like how, how tall were you at, at this point? Um, I was, I've always been tall. I definitely had a, but I think so 14, I was probably like five, 10, maybe. I think I remember being at an, a U15, uh, England camp and I was maybe five eleven, which was pretty, I was on the smaller side at the time. Um, but I think it's been kind of a steady growth, like from then till about 18, um, like obviously quite big jumps each year, but. Um, pretty steady through those years I think and so when did you suddenly decide to take this super seriously like this is what where you want to this is where you want to focus or, or did you did it not get to that point you actually it was just you were still always playing just for the pure love and enjoyment of it and it kind of you had the natural talent as well that saw you sort of um propel to a higher level yeah I think at the start a lot of the beginning was just pure kind of love and uh joy for the game um and kind of that just led into me you know, I was just playing all the time and obviously got a lot better through that. Um, but it was, it was just out of love for the game. And, um, you know, I just found myself and my friends who we were just playing all the time and got so much better during that period. Um, and then I think the, a, a turning point, um, kind of, I'd say that there's been two, but the first turning point was after, um, European championships, the first year I played, um, with the under 18s, um, and then, you know, all the guys around me were talking about, you know, trying to go to America and trying to play D1, trying to, whatever it may be. And that was the first time I really thought like, oh, like, you know, you, you, you probably have, you know, you probably have a pretty good shot at this. And, you know, I was getting some messages and, and what, what have you after, after that tournament. So that's when I really started to, to think, you know, this is probably a viable option. One that, you know, could, could honestly benefit you in the long term, And, you know, why not chase that? Um, 
I'd say that was probably the first turning point. And then, so from then on, like in terms of seriousness and um, kind of my mindset a little bit changed. Um, and then I'd say the second one is, you know, like from then obviously coming to America, like that was, you know, I came here to play basketball. So obviously that that's, that's a huge thing. But then, and then, then again, I think it went up another level after my freshman year here. Um, because, you know, I kind of came with no expectations, just, just kind of with the mindset of work hard, get, put your head down and, and see where I can take you. And, you know, for my freshman year, I think I got a better sense of, you know, how good I could be really and, and the opportunities that I may have. And, and, and that was another turning point for me where, you know, it's like, you know, you're here and, and, uh, not, you know, nothing's really going to stop you. It's, you just, it's just work. So that was, that was probably the second big turning point for me. And, and I've kind of carried that, that, that mindset, um, through to, to where I am now. Do you have like goals of being a professional basketball player? Like, has, and, and has that always been the goal or is that something that again has come later? Yeah, uh, that's come later. I mean, I do, yeah, um, goals to play in the NBA and, um, it wasn't always the case, you know, before coming in, coming to Princeton, it was like, you know, I'd love to be in a position where I'd have the option to, to play professionally and, and, you know, kind of make that decision when it came. But, but like I said, after, after freshman year, that second turning point was like, you know, this is definitely something you want to do. You want to play professionally and then kind of, um, just taking it day by day and, and whatnot, like the position I'm in now and, and, uh, you know, keep working towards definitely have, have goals to play in the NBA. So or but for sure professionally so just i don't want to skip over the uk stuff too much um before we before we get to the college stuff because i know there's a lot lot there like um obviously in the uk when you were coming up like who were the guys you were looking at that were kind of you know the best in your age group the, the best that you were playing at um that you were kind of targeting to be as good as yeah um when i first started and you know my first uh, England camp was, I think, yeah, under 15s. And uh, that was like a huge step up for me. I'd been playing the game for probably less than a year. And I think a, a lot of it was, uh, I was selected on potential. And so it was it was a big adjustment and probably all the guys, I was like, I, you know, I, I was probably a little bit behind all the guys. So, um, but, you know, as I got through um, guys did, who, Did you, know, you feel out of your depth at that camp? I definitely did. Um, really? I did, yeah. Um, and it was a huge adjustment and I don't think I was ready for it, although I'm glad that it happened because um, it, I definitely, I think I needed it and, it and it sparked something in me, but it was a big adjustment definitely. And um, it, you know, going through um, kind of the following season, it, it just, I think it made everything a little bit easier and also just boosted my confidence just to know that, you know, you're selected for this and, you know, you, you can compete kind of at this level. So, yeah, that that was a that was a that was a big point. And who who were those players that were that were in that team? Um, I remember Mate was there. I think Mate for Copenhagen, Opus. Mate was there. Um, like David Chive, um, yeah. LJ. Um, you know, guys who I'm I'm still in touch with. Uh, who kind of we've, we've kind of played together th through the years, but. Uh, a lot of those guys were, were there early on too. So, yeah. And, and then as you, so as the, then you progressed, you did it, you did, how many years did you, did you do two years of the ABL? Did you do one year of the ABL in the end? I did one year at EABL, yes. And then how was your experiences in the ABL, obviously going into that sort of under 19 age, age bracket? Yeah, that was, that was good. I mean, that year I was playing EABL and um, Division One, and I, I 
didn't play as much EABL, um, just given this the schedule and my school schedule and the way that I worked with with Newcastle, obviously, because I was going because you were at like, a different school, separate. right? Yeah, right. So th- with the Eagles Academy, it wasn't one school that we were all in. So there was a, there was a, some conflict with that, but um, yeah, it was great. Like kind of at that level, it was no longer like me feeling out my depth, you know, and I was um, ready to compete against my against my peers, and you know, like again some of the names like Mate and Hosanna Ade and and those guys um uh so that was a, that was a great experience for me and, and you know being able to to go up against those guys uh every week as well as as well as in division one and playing again better plays in division one that that definitely helped my preparation uh before coming over yeah I was gonna say like I feel like you know really the true marker in in the UK at this point for for top junior players is is how they're doing against men you know i think the junior yeah. the junior competitions are, are really not strong enough to really get a good measuring stick and so yeah. you know the, the standout performers over the years have been most most cases at division 1 men's level because i don't think a lot of uh, young players are getting that much opportunities at bbl level um mm-hmm. And I think that that year with Newcastle University, you obviously put up really decent numbers. Um, and I think a, that was kind of a, a point where everyone was like, "Wow, you know, this this Tosan kid is is serious." Like heading over to the states, like you've obviously now done a year playing against semi pros, essentially like a Division One men's level. Um, right. How much do you think right. that helped with the preparation? And what would you say were the biggest um, factors in in helping your growth and development by playing in Division One? Yeah, no, it was it was definitely huge, and 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 then opportunities I had as well to practice with the BBL team in, in Newcastle were, were also huge. Um, I think above all confidence, like just knowing that you can play at that at a high level and and you know play with men, you you, you know guys in that league, X Division One, X Division Two, X Division Three players. So being uh, being able to you know compete with them and and excel in that league is a great confidence booster. Uh, you know, before coming over. So I think that's just the main thing. And then I was fortunate enough to be in a situation where I was pretty much playing point guard for that team, which helped a lot of the skills, um, you know, which I've developed today. And just being able to see the game and read the game uh, with, you know, good teammates around me, it definitely helped massively with, with where I am. You did two summers with the GB under-18s. Um, I think both were in Division A, actually, I think, with your yeah. group. Um mm-hmm. How much of a step up was that? Like, how did you feel that level of competition was um, compared to what you'd been used to in England? Yeah, it's a different beast. Uh, it's a different beast. I mean, especially that first year. Um, again, I, I didn't I didn't play as much as the second year, and you know, it was, it was I was still pretty new to the game, and um, so that that was a that was a big shock, and but in a good way, like just to see the the high level of competition in Europe, you know, in Division A. Um, and, and and again, just to be able to compare, you know, um, standard back home to to how it was over there, and then particularly that second year was was a great year um, for me personally. Just you know, having a, a much bigger role in that team and um, being able to compete with, with with the guys next to me, and and you know, we uh, we managed to to finish I think top eight in both of them and in a pretty good campaign. Um, so yeah, when you look at um you know, the powerhouses of, of Europe, the teams that you played against in Division A, and you compare them to kind of, I guess, um, the, the the equivalent age group in the UK, uh, you know, you and your teammates. Do you feel like, well, what do, you, what do you feel were the big differences? What do you think is preventing, you know, GB from being a top four team in Division A every single year? Um, you know, when you're playing against teams, what do you notice that, that 
maybe surprises you or catches you off where you're like, wow, like, you know, this is a different level. This isn't what we're used to or what we kind of have in, in England. Yeah. Um, I think it's clear every year that athletically we're, we're up there. Um, I think there's a skill gap. Um, and I think, you know, those guys often play together. I've been playing together for, you know, a number of years. Um, and I think, yeah, I think this, I think the skill gap's pretty clear, uh, you know, just, literally passing shooting dribbling and an iq just having played the game more um probably at a high level like in their home countries as well um you know each team kind of seemed to have a couple guys who were you know 16 17 18 but had you know had experience playing professionally already and i think um that's definitely a huge factor and, and then again like something which seems to come up with you know jeremy sohan uh quite often is the preparation and i think it's very true like um these guys have a lot better preparation ultimately um than we do going into to these tournaments and it's it's not an ex it's not necessarily an excuse like you know we kind of you you play with what you're given and you play your heart out but um i think at the end of the day there's there's something there which needs to be look at looked at um in terms of preparation and and the way that we we do so for these for these tournaments do you have um do you have frustrations around British basketball now? Now that you've done, you know, you've been in the states for three years. Is it three years now total? Yeah, four going years, on yeah. four now. Yeah, yeah, going on four years. Um, and you obviously, I mean, it's it's. It, I always say it's super hard to compare the US to the UK because obviously the US in sports is a different beast. You know, financially, yeah. resources, yeah. all that, all that stuff. Right. But but that said, you know, when you look at when you look at the UK and kind of what you experienced here, like what would you say were your biggest your biggest frustrations um, or things that potentially kind of, I guess, held you back uh, from accelerating your development in ways that you might have wanted to if things had been different? Yeah, uh, I think it's a difficult one to answer because of pretty much all the things you just said about, you know, resources and America is just a different beast with all that stuff. But just the level of, uh, I guess it is kind of resources, but just... Uh, support resources all those different things like over here is just completely different and um you know the way that i've been able to work on my game here has transformed me as a player like and it wasn't the case that i'm necessarily it wasn't that i wasn't working hard back home um you know again you work with what what you what you have but you know like middle school gyms have shooting guns here and there's not one in sight in the north of england that i'm aware of or certainly not where i was um you know like court time uh is, is tough to get um one-on-one -on -one coaching like guys here have individual trainers from the age of six seven you know what i mean like it's it's just tough i think and um yeah it's it, it's tough to compare i think um but i think like from an individual level these guys have just started early and and, and they're doing more when they're younger um and then from a from a team standpoint i think again like there's some great coaches in the UK, but I think the kind of the base level uh, is is obviously high over here. And again, it's different, um, like you said, with all those things that go into it. So yeah. I think it, it's tough to it's tough to say, but yeah, those are those are important things. I think. I do think also in, in going back to the discussion about kind of comparing Division A European powerhouses to to the UK, it's like, and, and something you didn't mention is that you know culturally, so many players start playing from such a young age in these other countries right. where even you, you right. didn't start playing until you were 14 years old. Like right. you've already lost eight, 10 years on, on, on other countries. Um, 
And it's funny that when I look at, uh, when you look, well, you look at a lot of national teams and especially now that there seems to be a lot of, there's a lot of players who had parents that used to play and that actually ends up them being exposed to the game a lot younger than mm. than other players. Um, and so it's, it, it does show you this kind of golf where, you know, picking up that ball that many years older, that many years younger, sorry, um, does make such a difference. Um, but I think that there needs to be those opportunities to play. And right now, you know, if you're a, if you're a five, if you're a parent and you've got a five year old kid, six year old kid, and you want them to play basketball, like where are you going to take them? Like what, what, right. what club is there that does that much provision? Like there just really isn't that many opportunities. Um, mm. I was actually speaking to a mum the other week who, who she's got a five year old son, and she's like, I just, I she's in London actually, and uh, she's like, I don't mm. know where he can even play. Um, I've been looking, I'm trying to find, and they end up playing. Well, if they have the money, they end up paying for for sort of you know trying to find a private one on one coach, right. which I do think right. is a you know a big, big difference, which obviously holds us back. Um, needs to be way more provision at a at a younger level. Um, anyway, I digress. The recruiting process, like you obviously, you know, I've read a few different stories, um, but it seems like, you know, Princeton ended up happening because of an email sent from either you or your coach to them, as opposed to them coming for you first. Like how, how, how did the, uh, the sort of the, the transfer to college happen? Um, were you talking to other schools? Like, yeah, kind of talk us through how it all went down. Yeah. Um, so, Again, it was really after that European Championships, um, the first one, I was starting to get um, kind of some interest. Um, and I think the main uh, the main thing seemed to be uh, guys in America were kind of saying, you know, you, you should look into doing a prep year. Um, and for me, I, it's not it's not something I really wanted to do, to be honest. Um, Why not? Uh, I just felt like, well, in, in honestly, I didn't have as much information about it as I did now. Like in hindsight, it's it wouldn't be something which I'd be completely against. But at the time, I just felt like um, I was either ready to go and play at that level, at Division One level in the US, or I wasn't. And I was pretty okay with if I wasn't at the time and staying in the UK and studying in the UK and still playing. Um, now I look back and I'm like, that would have been a silly move um, <laughs> given what I know now and where I am now. Um, but again, it was kind of, that was before that, uh, you know, kind of the turning point, which I mentioned in terms of, you know, taking it to another level in terms of, you know, seriousness and, and all that type of thing. Um, so for me, it was very important that uh, wherever I went, um, whether it be in the UK or the US, it was a good place academically because, you know, that's always been important for me. Um, so, you know, my dad and I and, and my coach in McLeod at the time kind of sat down and there was a number of schools we reached out to. He, he sent the email uh, on my behalf, kind of just with my basketball and academic resume. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I heard back from some and Princeton was one of them. Uh, and that's kind of how it started and started that line of communication. Um, they, you know, uh, associate head coach Brett McConnell came to see me play um, in England um, was not a, a great showing for me, but um, he came to see me and, and that's, you know, it just developed from there. I ended up visiting and, and kind of on my visit, I knew, I knew that uh, Princeton was the place for me. So what, what happened on his visit to the UK? Like when you say it wasn't your best showing, what, did, yeah. what, was, the, so, what was the stat line? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> we played uh, Charnwood um, at their place. And I think that, I think they won that year and we didn't have a great, uh, a great team um so you know we went to Charmwood uh 
the halftime, we, I think we were down like 35, 40 points. Ended up losing the game, like close to 60. Um, I also didn't have a great game. I think probably I had like eight points. Like, can't really remember my sat line, but I just remember after the game, like, oh no, like you blew it, like whatever. Like, I guess it was like, move on, like you blew it. Um, that's kind of the end, the end of it with them. Um, but, you know, I had a conversation with the coach after and to my surprise, he was still pretty interested um, and kind of talking about next steps and me coming in and visit. And I was like, oh, sick. Okay, sweet. Um, <laughs> so I didn't, I guess I didn't blow it. But so uh, that's a story that he tells all the time still. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. But did you go on any other visits? No, uh, I ended up just visiting Princeton um, mm-hmm. just because I just kind of knew when I when I got here and just the coaching staff, the, my teammates, like the campus, the facilities. Um, and again, it was a place like Princeton or really Princeton specifically is exactly what I was looking for in terms of high academics, high um, basketball, you know, like in terms of the level. Um, and you don't really have to sacrifice either of this place. So it was it was pretty much the perfect situation, to be honest with you. And I was just very fortunate to have been able to find that um, pretty early on in, in my search. Although in 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 kind of US terms, it, it was it was a super late commitment. Um, so right, just very fortunate. What was it like for you, you know, coming over from from England, knowing the facilities that we have in England, knowing the level of resource we have in England, and on that visit, you know, I know that when I've visited. You know, a few different Division One schools. I'm always just blown away by the yeah. setup. And even today, when you join the course, like, where are you? You're in some, you know, <laughs> broadcasting studio. You know, there's there's there for the for the athletics. Like, kind of. Can you talk about your your first impressions of of the facilities and the campus, and um, I guess what what it's like to actually you know be a student athlete on campus? Yeah, probably similar to you, like taken aback. Um, it's just like a different level, and you know, it's. People might expect it, you know, like our basketball is way bigger in the U.S., but for football, like the still the, the the facilities are kind of off the chart. It's, it's kind of just the sports in general and college sports is such a big deal over here um, that, you know, the facility is just amazing and the resources that we have access to. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it, it is a different beast and um, just very fortunate again to be in this position and have access to all of this stuff. Um, and, you know, like balancing the... The academics again like it, it can be challenging and especially at a place like this but you, you kind of get used to it as you go through and your teammates are all going through the same thing as you as as well as the large number of other athletes on this campus and there's a lot of people kind of around you who are who are willing to help and, and want to help and see you succeed um so at the end of the day it's super worth it and you know a, a pretty good decision i think how are you finding you know obviously you're in an Ivy League school. We all know that to be at an Ivy League school, you've got to be pretty decent academically anyway. Um, you know, how have you found the academic side of things? Is it, do you feel like, you know, compared to, I'm sure that you speak to other British guys that are other Division One schools outside of the Ivy League, um, you know, do you feel like your your academic load is, is a lot different to theirs? Is it a lot more challenging than theirs? Like kind of how, how, are, you, how are you finding it and how are you sort of balancing it? Yeah, um... I think it is uh, it is challenging, and the, I think the the main thing is is the workload and the speed at which they go through uh, things. That <clears throat> it's kind of a big step up from high school, whether it be in the US or the UK, and then uh, some other schools as well. Definitely, um, 
but like I said, you, you kind of get used to it. And I think time management is just the most important thing. Uh, it's the most important skill. And you, you know, you, if you, if you begin to, to, to get good at that, then everything else can, it just helps everything else out really. And, um, you know, it, it's definitely, although it's challenging, I think it's definitely not as bad as you kind of think it is going into it. Like you're like, um, like I'm going to an Ivy league, like what I, I'm going to be studying 24 hours. Like it's not, it's not to that extent, although, you know, there's, there's definitely times which is worse, um, than others. So. Ooh, yeah. And what's your major? Uh, economics. Economics. And then I saw, I had a quick look at your LinkedIn before we jumped into school and I seen you'd been doing a, a sort of couple of placements with one with a private equity firm and doing an internship as sort of an analyst. An, an analyst. Um, is that kind of like, if you were to not be involved with basketball, do you feel like the finance route is, is where you would end up, uh, you know, focusing on? Yeah, I think so at this stage. Um, and then probably when the ball starts, this ball stops bouncing, I think that'll probably be something I get into. Um, you know, that's that's something about this place. They, they kind of help a, a lot with setting you up with internships and just the, the alumni network is insane and um, in, insane here and, and just all those opportunities that we kind of have at our disposal. Um, so yeah, I've, I've had a, a few internships and I had one this past summer, which was great with when the alumni um who who's still you know pretty close with with the team uh called john rogers but i think for me like this past summer was pretty much all about basketball um and setting myself up but you know having an internship like this especially when with an alum that played basketball here and understands honestly just allowed me to stay in the u.s for the summer and and work out obviously i was working as well um but the the focus and priority was basketball and um you know we've already talked about the facilities and and everything um that comes with it so for me it was super important to to be able to do that um kind of for this summer um rather than rather than spending the the summer in the uk that on the court transition you know we've spoken about off court but the the on court transition from the uk to the us you know when you first got on a practice floor you know started scrimmaging against your teammates and stuff um you know was there anything that really stood out as as big surprises like how did you find it or did you actually you know obviously I know you started you know started what 19 games as a freshman or whatever it was so it Mm -hmm. clearly was was uh easier than for you than than some um but yeah like how did you find the 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 biggest differences I guess between the American and the UK game when you first came over yeah I think um immediately physicality pace of the game um and again, skill, I think just the pretty much <laughs> I said kind of what bus was, but those three things, you know, um, I think uh, it was just a, a step up for sure. And it was noticeable. And, um, you know, everyone, everyone here, like everyone can shoot, you know, guys have been working with guns for shooting guns for since they were, you know, whatever age and with with personal trainers and whatever, um, you know, everyone's super skilled. But yeah, definitely the physicality and, and the pace of the game was was a step up and something to adjust to quickly, um, as well as, you know, kind of just the, the de- level of detail with everything is is massive. And, you know, with with a scout report or a defensive coverage, like whatever it may be, like the level of detail is just, just huge. And there was a huge emphasis on that from day one. Um, so I think that's, that's the biggest step up, you know, stuff that you don't necessarily pay for um, in high school, even at the Division One level. Um, you, you de- in in the UK, you definitely pay for for over here. So there's just a huge emphasis on on details and limiting mistakes. Did you have any standout memories from your freshman year that was kind of like a, a welcome to America moment or anything like that? 
um i'd say two yeah two standout moments with were first the first time i scrimmaged with our team uh i i almost got dunked on by our point guard uh jalen the well he's at michigan now um but he yeah he came i think he came off a ball screen and i was like in help and i I was kind of like I wasn't really worried about it, and he just I did, he just kind of rose up, and I I was watching him above me, and luckily he back rimmed it. But uh, that was like a holy like whoa like moment. Um, uh, and then the other one was just I think my first start, uh, which was against Indiana, and that was just an unreal atmosphere. Um, that gym's crazy, and you know that band was playing and. It was just yeah, it was a, it was an insane atmosphere and it was a super fun environment to be in and that was my first start and we lost the game but I didn't have a bad showing so that also helped to settle nerves but just the atmosphere was was crazy. So then your freshman year, sorry your sophomore year, it was your next year that ended up was that ended up getting cancelled because of COVID, right? Yes, that's correct. How difficult was that for you? Like you know, obviously some. Some leagues ended up picking up at the end of the se- like halfway through the season in January or whatever. Um, but the Ivy League decided that it was going to cancel the, the entire season. I think you ended up actually back in the UK because I remember we did a little interview about sort of the issues of trying to get back out there and visas and all this kind of stuff when everything was being shut down at the embassies. Um, yeah. But yeah, like kind of, I guess go go through your memories of uh, sort of what happened during COVID. Um, you know, when you realised this was going to be a bit of a serious thing, and then and then I guess when you found out also that you know, your sophomore year essentially was going to be, it's going to be a write-off. Yeah. Um, you know, COVID was tough as it was for everybody. Um, um, and I think kind of the main, the main thing, which was tough to watch was, uh, every other division one conference playing, playing basketball that season, other than us, uh, you know, we just sitting at home, like you said, watching the games on TV and, we just weren't a part of it and, you know, watching the tournament and, and all that stuff. And we just weren't a part of it. We never had the opportunity to play. So um, it was tough, but, you know, you, you get over it and you do what you can. And for me, the, the school, uh, we weren't allowed on campus that first semester, so the first half of the year. So I was at home in Newcastle. And um, again, fortunate enough to, to practice with the Newcastle Eagles, the BBL team. And actually helped me a great deal. Just, um, again, like, well, it allowed me to get into the gym uh, a lot and, and, and obviously with practice as well. And I was just competing, you know, every day with those guys that are all pros. And I think the main thing for me, like, again, that was another point in time where it just allowed my confidence to to be boosted. And you know, the fact that I was, you know, competing with these guys, like holding my own against these guys, um, you know, all pros that I'd pretty much played D1 um, previously, just gave me a great deal of confidence going back into to the season uh next year um and then as well I, the, the second half of that year i did go back to campus we were allowed back and although we didn't play any games we were we could practice um the guys who decided to come back for for that half of the year so um yeah I, I ended up you know just being a great opportunity being being at home had uh online school but i was also able to you know play with the bbl team and and you know stay stay in shape like keep working on my game and all that stuff uh during that time so 
Yeah, I think I think we need to probably give some give Newcastle Eagles some credit, seeing as uh you know everyone's quite easy to qu- finds it quite easy to pile on BBL clubs all the time for their lack of whatever it might be. But uh, obviously in this situation, mm-hmm. I think in your case, have, have been super super helpful. So um yeah, credit to them. So then does that mean that was was it the thing is COVID messes me up because it those two years ends up all getting merged into one. So that means was last yeah. season was last season your season back after the season being cancelled. Yes, so last season was my junior year, but technically my second year, season playing, yeah, it was the first year back. Mad. So that, so, well, that's so. So basically, you went, you went from your freshman year, where you know your numbers were were okay. I think I've, I've got them here somewhere. It was what four points, two rebounds, one assist, roughly. Uh, you have a year it's out. Matter, yeah. You come back, um, and you're unanimous Ivy League Player of the Year. Like. <laughs> That's a mad jump. Like that is a mad jump. Um, yeah. You know, what do you attribute that to? Like, how how did that happen? Yeah, I think <clears throat> for a lot of people, obviously, it came out of the blue, and it's a huge jump. I think for me, like it, it's just the work I put in every day, and you know, the the great coaching staff and teammates I have around me. Um, you know, whether it be in Newcastle, whether it be here, like that that COVID year, like I said, helped me a lot. And whilst I was in Newcastle, I was able to to still train and things like that. And then coming back over the second half of the year, we had essentially that half year of practice and uh, great teammates and coaching staff and resources around me that just, you know, steady development of my game and just kept improving and, you know, confidence also, you know, kept improving and, and all those things kind of went into it. And then the, the team that I had last year was unbelievable. Like the teammates had around me and, Guys, I just made it, you know, so much easier um, on the floor and, and off the floor too. So, just credit to credit to the people around me, really, and and uh, you know, just the work that I've put in over over the past couple of years. What were your expectations going into the season? Like, did you have any like? If I told you at the start of the season, this is how your season's going to pan out. You're going to be, you know, you're going to win the, the regular season title. You're going to go to the NCAA tournament. You're going to be Ivy League Player of the Year. Would you have believed that? Like, did you have that belief in yourself heading into the season or was did it actually come as a bit of a surprise to you as well? I had a lot of belief in myself. I didn't have... So for the the goal that we always have each year is to win the league. So I was... That's my, you know, focus. Like, we're, we're going to win the league. Um, we, we fell short of going to the tournament last year, but, we, you know, we're going to win the league. We're going to win the Ivy tournament. We're going to go to the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of what it is every year. But then, you know, individual goals, like I kind of had set out after my freshman year kind of goals, to, you know, as progression through the years. And that sophomore year, had we have played, I think my goal was to be on an all Ivy team, um, whether it be first or second. So I was like, okay, you've you've now missed a year. Like now you're going to have to skip that year now. Like, you know, so I think going into it, the mindset was win, like, team needs to win but uh you know individually like I think you're you're capable of being a first team all Ivy player um so that was my individual goal going into it I ended up winning player of the year which is great obviously um so yeah that, that was kind of my mindset going into it what was your favorite memory from from last season um favorite memory definitely winning winning the regular season uh, hitting the game-winning layout. Yes. yes, that was to yes, that was to clinch a share actually. So I think it was the the game after we it was out we clinched outright. Um, ah, okay, yeah, yeah that's but, right. Yeah, you're yes. right. Yeah, yeah. That game that game against Harvard did uh did 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 kind of seal at least a share of it. So 
yeah, that was a huge moment, um, obviously. And then and then the game against Penn after two, where we we played incredibly as a team. I think we had like two turnovers on the game, and it was just an unreal team performance. So then, coming into this year, what are your expectations um, of yourself? Like, you know, I'm sure that you're going to say that your expectations of the team is to is to win again. Um, yeah. So so removing that from the picture for your your own individual goals like what are you what are you expecting from yourself what do you want from yourself just to keep building um you know keep building keep improving build on last year um build on kind of every day in practice every game just keep have a spirit of improvement throughout the season um you know obviously i, I want to win ivy league player of the year as well i want to win defensive player of the year as well um those individual goals and, and it all kind of lead up into, you know, what I mentioned earlier is, you know, wanting to play at the highest level. Uh, so that, yeah, that's to, to keep it short. That's kind of what, what they are, but it's, it's really just a, um, you know, an effort an everyday, like kind of effort. And again, with my coaches and my, uh, my coaches and my uh, teammates, um, just something that we build every day to, to help each other, bring the best out of each other. So that's, that's kind of the environment that we have over here. Awesome. So um, we're going to start wrapping it up. Um, I want to fire some quick fire questions your way. Um, okay. But well, the, the questions are quick. It doesn't mean the answers have to be quick. It's up to you how, 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 how long or short you want to you wanna make them. Um, but starting with uh, the best British player you've ever played against, who and why? Um... So I'd say, I'll give you two answers. I mean, I played Jeremy a little bit when he was younger. Obviously, he's playing at the highest level now. Um, but he was he was young. It was in Division One, So I think he was probably 15 at the time. I was 17. And it was just for like the, I don't know, it was like the last five minutes of the game. Like he was on Solon and obviously they, they were the best team in the league. So he didn't get too much game time necessarily that, that year. But, uh, you know, we, we were matched up a little bit at the end of that game. Um, but then I, I'd say like during when I played them, probably Mike, Mike a number. Um, I'd say when we when when he was playing uh, with Magic Sill, he was probably the best player, British player I played against uh, in my youth days. Yeah. Who's the favorite coach you've played for? Favorite coach. Um, I mean, definitely Ian McLeod has helped me a lot. Um, in my younger days, um, but also I'd say Alan, Alan Keane. Um, fortunate to have those two in the coaching staff when, uh, when I played for GB both times. Um, so, yeah, a combination of those two. What is your favourite basketball memory so far? Uh, probably, yeah, last season, um, winning, winning, the, winning the regular season and then also being, uh, being awarded Ivy League Player of the Year, definitely. Your most challenging basketball moment? Um, probably pretty recently, actually. Um, this past year, this past off season, um, dealt, gone through quite a bit with with injuries and 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 what have you. So, probably uh, kind of from mid last season to to where I am now. Um, Probably, probably just injuries and, and things that I can't really control. 
if you had some advice for a young 12-year-old, 13-year-old British player that's looking at you and says, you know, I want to get a scholarship to the States and, and play in the US and sort of do the things that you're doing now, what advice would you give to them? I mean, I'd say it's possible. Um, and it's just, it's just having the willingness and the desire to work, I think. Um, you know, set, set little goals for yourself. Um, that lead into the big goal, you know, it's, it can be, uh, it can be hard and you can lose sight of it if you, if you don't set little goals along the way, I think to help with whatever you want to achieve. But I think it's just being willing to outwork everybody else. Um, and, and, you know, over time you'll, you'll get to where, to where you want to go. And then finally, uh, five years from now, if I was to ask you, you know, where do you see yourself? Where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing? Um, what is the goal? Like, what would you say? Yeah, uh, definitely still playing, um, playing in the NBA. That's that's the goal five years from now. Perfect. That's a perfect place to wrap it up. Tosan, thank you so much. Been an absolute gent. Uh, and I will see you next week in London. Looking forward to it. Thanks very much, Sam. Thanks for having me. You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos, and more. Hey, podcast listener. Bet you weren't expecting to hear from me again. Now that you've listened to the show, please take two seconds to take your podcast player out of your pocket and give us a rating and review on iTunes. It would be massively appreciated and goes a long way in helping us spread this content far and wide. Literally take your phone out of your pocket right now. Uh, open up your podcast player. Go to the Hoops Fix podcast. You'll see the option to leave a rating and review. Drop us a five star if you love it. And uh, if you could take two seconds just to write a review as well, it would be massively, massively appreciated. Thank you and speak to you next week.